to another episode of the CrossFit Harrow podcast. This is episode number 80, and today we have Lynn. Lynn, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. First question that always goes out is, why CrossFit Harrow? Why CrossFit Harrow? Well, it probably needs to start with why CrossFit at all. Um, so I actually tried CrossFit a few years ago. I went up to the, uh, the Watford Club for the weekend, did the whole weekend thing. Really didn't get on with it. Thought, it's not something I'm going to be able to do. And then weirdly enough... Um, a few years later, um, my mate Lindsay, who's done one of these podcasts as well. Um, first one. She'd done the first one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she, that was, it was a great podcast. Um, so I, I think I was driving past somewhere and it was either on a, it was on a roundabout. There was an advert somewhere for CrossFit Harrow. And I said to Lindsay, have you ever thought about CrossFit? Um, because she was looking for something. Because she's done my time. She's done lots of different stuff anyway. So uh, she said, I'm going to go. Anyway, she fell in love with it. And at the time, I was still going to the um, gym, uh, just by my regular David Lloyd. And I'm pretty good at pushing myself. But Lindsay was absolutely raving about this place. So I'm like, you know what, I'll give it a try. Anyway, that was it. And pretty much from the first time, I was hooked. Um, so yeah, so you got, it was... You got the bug. You got the CrossFit I bug. Got the, I got the CrossFit Harrow bug. Because I yeah, tried CrossFit before. But, um, and it was something... Lind- I keep talking about Lindsay, but she'd said that, you know, from the first moment, she walked in and saw subs smiling and stuff and 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 that's it right the the whole atmosphere here Mm. is is genuinely people want you to do really well but it's very welcoming and um yeah it's it's just a great place to be i mean i'm I'm here three times yeah yeah yeah. it was good to know it's it's good to know that you're um let's talk about um your sport through school yeah uh was it a big part of your upbringing definitely so um it was there was a few things so First of all, I started off doing music. So when I was pretty young um, at infant school, um, I had a kind of recognised I got a musical aptitude. So my mum said, do you want to play piano? So I did and did piano all the way through. I've played guitar. Is that, there's like different gradings for that as well? Yeah, I did grade eight piano and then I learned the drums and did grade eight drums and, you know, a bit of an overachiever. But anyway, so, <laughs> so music was the thing. And then I went to high school and... Um, I didn't have an amazing time at high school. I got bullied a lot. Um, wasn't the only one. That was, it was just a particularly tough school. And what helped me through it was all the stuff I did outside of school. Now, I was also pretty academic, so I could almost just relax in lessons and get my work done. But what helped me was all the sport that I did and all the music that I did. So I sang in choirs, in orchestras, bands. And this but, was still through high school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the sport was, I mean, I was... I was the house captain. I was athletics. Um, I did shot put and discus. I had the school record for the shot oh, wow. put. Still yeah. to this day? No, I think somebody's bashed it. I forgot what it was as well. It was it was quite long for a for a twelve year old. Um, and then I did hockey and netball and um, running when I was forced to. Um, so I remember doing cross country, hating it. And then um, my PE teacher said, "Look, if you don't if you don't make an effort at cross country, I'm going to kick your ass." Basically. So the next time I went round, and I think I was the fastest. So I can do it when forced, long distance. But um, yeah. But um, and then when I went to university, um, I kind of carried it on the music and and the sports. So I joined a local netball team and um, things like that. And then then the gym basically. The gym became my my friend after that because it's something you can do anywhere right and then I I have to mention cycling as well so when I went to uni I I was in Manchester which is basically a flat city so I got myself a a bike and cycled everywhere right all the time right even when I was drunk which was a bit mad but um I just cycled everywhere so uh, again bikes have always featured in my kind of activity as well yeah What, what, what did you do at uni 
uh, well, I went to do music, interestingly, um, and um, within about two months knew I'd made a mistake. And I'd never really made a mistake at anything to that point. So yeah, as I said, I'd not had a, the best time at high school, but I was academic, so I could you know, smash my GCSEs and A-levels, no, no problem. I had never come across a problem before. Um, so went and thought, well, music is going to be it. It wasn't. It really, really wasn't. How so did you take that at the time? I, I, it kind of broke me a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll probably come on to talk about my mental health, but that's the first point I think I got depression because I, well, I might have had it before, but I, I just didn't know how to deal with... There was so much success. Yeah. Mm. And, it, and it sounds, I sound really arrogant, but I'm not. It just, when, when everything doesn't, when nothing goes to plan or your plan fails, I didn't know how to cope with that. Anyway, um, so I switched to the English course for a couple of months. Again, wasn't me. And then I'd made a really good friend. She now lives in Canada, actually. And she was doing this management course with um, American Business Studies. And I thought, well, that sounds quite cool. So I went along to some of her lectures and thought, I like the variety of this. I like the fact we're doing economics and accountancy and psychology. And, and then I thought, well, hang on, I'm quite decent at French. So why don't I do the French bit as well? So I decided to take the rest of the year off and then join the next year and do international management in French. So, so almost you, that first year, you actually ended up taking a year off. Yeah, I took the rest of the year off. I finished at Christmas, went home, licked my wounds a bit. I actually went to work for my dad, who was a lift and crane engineer. Um, so I worked in and I learned how to weld things together and cut chain and stuff and drive lots That's of so vans. Cool. Yeah, it was really cool getting to know my dad like that and how other people saw him. Um, I was really close to my dad. Um, but yeah, the driving of... I can get in anything now and drive it. And you just feel completely... Yeah, yeah because yeah. I mean, once I had to go up to Glasgow with him and drive back a brand new pickup truck, and we had to do... I think at the time you had to run cars in. I had to do 60 miles an hour all the way back from Glasgow in a pickup truck. But um, anyway, <laughs> pretty bonkers. It yeah. was definitely... Like, it was almost like learning a new skill. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, so it's really, it's really cool now. So I'll go anywhere in the world and drive, right? So I've no problem... Going over to the States, I'm like, I'll drive, I'll, I'll hire the car. You've got experience, you've dealt with it in the past. Well, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. It's probably a bit about control as well, but, um, you know. Possibly. <laughs> um, so, uh, you, with, with finding uni and, and, mm-hmm. and not it working out for you, what kind of things did you face that, uh, how did you react and what, what, what did you go through that pit when you kind of felt like it wasn't the course for you? Um, well, it was, it was sheer panic to start with it was like shit this hasn't worked out mm. right this this isn't gone to plan and there wasn't a plan b straight away no because it, everything was like right it's going to work out i'm going to do music and then i'm probably going to be a music teacher and maybe maybe be Is a that what the goal was, yeah. Yeah, yeah and then maybe do some because at the time i was because i played percussion so that's the drums and everything else so timpani all the things you see at the back of an orchestra being hit right so i was, I was actually gigging I, as well i did do very well at the triangle let alone everything else <laughs> Triangle's more difficult than it looks. Um, so I was gigging, so I was getting paid for gigs. So I was going to be a jobbing musician, lecturer, teacher, whatever, right? And um, that was my love of music just like disappeared overnight. So uh, is it still there? Has it come back at any time? Weirdly enough, when I moved to London, so that's over twenty years ago. Um, it's a really good social thing, right? Particularly yeah. if you're on your own and stuff. And I'm, I'm quite used to going off and going living somewhere on my own and doing things but I like to meet people so like like this place right but um so music was a great way to do that so I joined various bands and orchestras and stuff so it was always something I had and and I've not played probably since Max was about two 
Um, he's now 11, but I could probably go back to an orchestra now, a, a, you know, an amateur one. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. kind of get back into it because you never forget some of these things. Same yeah. with the piano. So I've just got rid of my piano, actually, because I wasn't using it. Um, but I did teach myself, reteach myself guitar in lockdown. So um, I've got That's that. Hard. I've said I've said yeah. to someone before. So I think it's the coordination required for guitar is. Well, I think piano and percussion are harder, okay. personally speaking. So because you have to do both hands, so it's almost like guitar's two hands, right? So once you've done it, <laughs> two yeah, hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I found that quite easy. And um, I learned classical guitar when I was younger. But whereas when I'm, you know, in the start of lockdown, I could pick. I went for acoustic guitar. What, what's classical guitar? You know, the Spanish style oh, okay, guitar yeah. and all that kind of... Yeah, like Master Zorro kind of stuff. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. Whereas acoustic guitar, I mean, I was strumming along to all sorts, the Beatles through to, you know, whatever. Um, so I will pick that up again. Um, but at the minute, I just kind of really want to... I'm getting into... Well, I'm into CrossFit. So that's my priority yeah, yeah, outside, yeah. Of, outside of work and family and stuff. So done the degree. Yeah. Uh, and then what was it? What Once you kind of figured out, like, your new course, what was it that you wanted to... What did you want to go and do? I didn't do? have a clue. I did not have a clue. So um, I went and did... So, so this degree meant that I could go and spend a year in a French-speaking country. Um, so the offers, the option was France or Montreal. And I couldn't believe no one wanted to go to Montreal yeah, in, right. in Quebec, in Canada, right? So I went there, again on my own, because I'm like, I just thought people were nuts wanting to go amazing. to France. It was fantastic, but... Um, again, shit scary, and sometimes I do these things without really thinking about it. And got there, and I was I was so homesick. It was really you must have been hard. Twenty one at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really homesick to the point that my parents, bless them, had to pay for me to get a flight home for Christmas and back again. But then I settled in, and you know, it took me a while. But looking back, and the experience was amazing. Um, so I was fluent in French when I got back. I made some really good friends. I'm still in touch with. Um, do you still speak? Like, can you? Do you still converse in French? Still I speak? probably could. So if I we trained before lockdown, before COVID, we'd pop across to France for like four days once a year, so I could just practice. Same with Spanish. Actually, I actually speak a bit of Spanish. So um, um, yeah, I just need to be immersed in it, and then I can, you know. Yeah, once you're in that environment, yeah. you start picking, yeah. picking things back Definitely. up. I don't really know any Italian, apart from strega, which means witch, doesn't it? So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And basta, which is enough. Yes, yeah. basta is enough. Or that, stop. Like, yeah, that's it. Stop. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's about it in Italian. Yeah, basta. Yeah. Um, so, coming out of, of uni, went over to Quebec. Mm. What did it look like for you? What did you, after, what did you feel like you wanted to, you've got that experience mm. now under your belt. Paint us a picture. Again, absolutely clueless. So I knew, and this is, so actually my final year was, was back in Manchester um, and I was really lucky. I, I kind of roomed or we were in this hall of residence with, um, it was just women actually. We got on brilliantly well. It was very lucky. Um, and I was roomed next to this girl called Rebecca who was really on it career-wise. She'd got some really um, switched on parents who were academic, but also kind of really good, really career focused. Where my mum, I mean, no disrespect that she was a teacher. My dad was an engineer. I was the first person to go to university um, in my family. So I was a bit clueless. But my mate was like, look, there's this thing called the milk round, which is where all these prospective employers come and they talk to students to get on the graduate scheme. So I'm like, mm, go, go milk round then. Um, so I picked four uh, milk round opportunities. One was with Ernst & Young, which is um, actually a competitor of who I work for now. <laughs> uh, another company, this um, research company, and then um, I think it was United Biscuits or something. Anyway, so Ernst & Young weren't interested. Um, the other company weren't. Oh, that was it. It was the um, 
who was it? It was the United Nations or something like that. Really random choices because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I got offered the research company in London and I got offered this United Biscuits in Manchester and I picked London because I wanted to live in London. That was it. That's about as much forethought, forethought I'd yeah, had well, about my people, career. A lot of people make that yeah. decision just based on like what's yeah. around and the opportunities yeah. and stuff. But then it's weird because I was asked to do this the other day actually on one of the, a work podcast was look back at your career and because um, particularly women in data, which is what I work in, we have what are called kind of squiggly line careers. We don't, we don't go and get data science degrees and computing degrees and then go into As data. As in women. Yeah, don't women do don't yeah. do that. We just end up in data. But then if I look back at everything I've done, um, the thing that I liked the best at university in my course was consumer behavior and psychology and market data, right? And then the first job I got was in data. And, and it, you look at back and it looks, like a, it looks like I've been yeah, yeah, involved yeah. in data all the way through. And it's not happened like that. It's happened by accident almost, but... Um, yeah, or it's felt like accident, or I've had a, somebody steering me somewhere. Yeah, uh, and along this like f- this new path mm. with work and stuff, mm. where have you? Where has fitness been a priority in that? Has that been at the top? Has that been somewhere in the middle? It's dipped over time. So when I first moved to London, it it wasn't a priority at all. Um, meeting people, trying to get by on, I earned fourteen grand a year, and I, know I appreciate that. That's what some people are still on now. But um, when when your rent is, well, it leaves you about fifty quid a month. Mm. <laughs> to go out, eat, and buy clothes and stuff. Um, it, there wasn't any time for that. Um, so fitness really didn't play a part in it. There was no, nothing. And for me, fitness at, by that point had associated with being a member of a gym, um, not not thinking about, you know, getting on a bike again or yeah, running like an and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, nothing like that. So, And I think at the time it was, it was like that, right? But I think that's a lot of people still now, yeah. like they associate with fitness just being inside four walls of yeah, a gym. And exactly. it doesn't have to be. It can be, yeah. it can be outdoors in team sports and individual sport, yeah. um, just like adventuring, anything. Yeah. And by that point, I'd created, the, I'd got the stupid habit of smoking, which I started in Montreal at the age of 21. I mean, most people have done that and finished that by then. Yeah. No, I decided that smoking was that there was a thing. So there was a lot of a very unhealthy twenties, smoking, drinking, um, and not really any exercise. And so, when did you give up the smoking? When I turned thirty. So I'd met. I, I, by that point, I'd moved to PwC Price Warehouse Coopers, and um, I'd met my future husband. And um, at the time, we could still smoke in bars, and I yeah, think it yeah, was just yeah. coming in where you couldn't. And he I was. Remember, I remember. Yeah. Like, and it was just you just used to go home and. St- yeah of cigarettes it was disgusting but um we got together like two weeks before my 30th birthday and i said you know what he was really anti-smoking he tolerated it but he didn't like it very much so i said right i'll quit when i'm 30 because i kind of figured i smoked all you could for two weeks what you've done before you're 30 largely you can almost get your body can recover um so i did um i just quit and that completely teeter was... like done uh, I had the odd wobble but pretty much um, done and I was one of those lucky ones that once it had stuck that was it I, n- I, I smell cigarettes now and think it's disgusting um, but then um, so yeah but I still wasn't really into I hadn't found my thing um, and then I was still doing my music and then um, 34 we decided that we'd have Max um, so another good excuse not to exercise I'm pregnant now right? <laughs> Um but then after Max, um, 
was born, I that's when um, I was feeling really tired and lethargic all the time. Now, an element of that is my mental health. You know, depression always makes you feel yeah, quite I, tired. Yeah, I was going to go yeah. and touch into that and like where that came in and stuff. Yeah, but um, but um, I was actually working with a personal trainer at the time at, at the David Lloyd gym, and um, he'd got me on this crazy diet, right? Which you know, you basically don't eat anything. But I wasn't. Nothing was shifting. No, and he said, "Have you ever had your thyroid checked?" And I said, no, anyway, I had it checked. It basically wasn't working. So uh, now I'm on some very high dose medication. But um, so I dropped loads, I dropped loads away because the thyroid stuff kicked in and that was it. I got down to about um, 10 and a half stone, which on me looks like I need to eat. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm a bit more than that now. But um, so yeah, so that was, so I got into that. And then because it was a very extreme diet, kind of, you know, an extreme exercise, I stopped again. And, you know, it kind of, never really found anything consistent and then it was actually joe wicks the body coach that um got me into consistently exercising i'd say about five years ago and i've not really stopped exercising since five times a week what and and he taught me the whatever it is right go for a walk getting on my bike doing some hit training or doing you know whatever so that that got me in into your head it was kind of like activity. something switched yeah, yeah as activity as opposed to like yeah having a definitive goal by the end of that day that you had to do X amount of calories, you had to do a certain mm. workout. It was just, look, as long as I move, yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah, It's quite a good way to, I think, mm. uh, and actually we were talking about this earlier today as a team, that a lot of us lose that balance. Yeah. And we just go way too much into, whether that be fitness or something else. Mm. And it's just find that balance to, you know, as long as you're moving, yeah. um, that's better than standing still. Definitely. But it's Absolutely. just trying to get people to, to understand that. It's, it's hard. It's really tough. And now I know I'm much more self-aware um, about how I'm feeling. I think the older you get, it, it gets yeah, easier. You, you tend um, to connect a little bit more with those kind of things. Yeah. So I know that. So I, I choose to train probably five or six times a week here because it just makes me feel good. Now I know I probably should take more breaks than that. But I just, the feeling I get, it's like the days I don't, I have to get on the spin bike. Not because I feel guilty nothing like that's not associated with that anymore it's the sheer pleasure yeah. of doing something and getting out of breath and challenging myself even on the even on the spin bike at home i push myself yes yeah, i would say it's the equivalent of someone saying like get your steps in it's just you're not, you know your, yeah. your activity level is increasing regardless yeah. of whether you're doing a crossfit workout a a boot camp a spin yeah. or whatever it's just it's just moving for that day. yeah um so we've got going back to the kind of mental health thing we're talking about exercise and how it's helped mm. when did you um discover that that was something that you, affected you? Yes, yeah, so as I said, I had a bit of a wobble when I was um, 18 when, you know, it didn't really work out at university. But then at the time, nobody really, I mean, God, how long, it's a long time ago. It's like 94, something like that. So um, people weren't talking about it. My parents were really, oh, depressed means you're suicidal, right? So, I mean, like they took the lock off my bedroom door and if I shut the door, they'd barge in and they thought I was going to commit suicide. <laughs> So that was that was when I was 18. It was quite traumatic and it was very anti. You don't take medication for this. You've got to sort yourself out, you know. Yeah, that was quite a... Yeah. Not so much now. I think it's a big, oh, massive yeah. thing that spoke yeah. about and people were raising awareness. But yeah, definitely um, early 90s, yeah. late 80s was very much, or even before, was very much like you just got to get on with it. Like, Absolutely. You can't talk about it. Yeah. You, you just get up and go. Yeah. So probably unbeknownst to me, and again, looking back, it's easy to look back, um, I've had it all my life and it's affected a lot of the things I've done and the decisions I've made, some of which I'm not very proud of, right? But anyway, got to, it was after I'd had Max and I was at, 
I was at work and I just, um, so it's probably about six years ago and I'd be just, we discovered the thyroid thing, which, you know, that was it. But I just felt there was, you know, when the, the light goes from behind your eyes, I just knew there was something really wrong. How, how long after? Because there, there is obviously postnatal depression too. That Yeah, it was, it was, Max was about three or four. So it was quite, it was. But it still can. Yeah, it, it could have been. Not, if yeah. it's not um, uh, discovered, it would still yeah. be there. It, it absolutely could have been that. Because um, it was weird because, you know, I had Max, then we discovered the thyroid thing and then I had this. And um, so I had to take some time out of work, which for me, my part of my who I am or who I was, I should say, was really wrapped up in. I was so proud I worked at PwC. I mean, this big four accountancy firm, amazing, right? That was part of who I was, right? So um, the fact that it, it wasn't working as well and I wasn't feeling great was just this huge, again, the failure point, right? I'd not, you know, and actually it wasn't failing. I was doing really well. It's just, what was yeah, in the, my head. Yeah, the expectation you had on yourself yeah. to pr- produce. Yeah. And, yeah. So I, I remember speaking to my boss going, she said, how are you? I'm like, I'm not great at all. She said, right, go home, call the doctor. And I took about four weeks off at that point. And I remember going to see a psychologist because I knew, I knew something was wrong. And um, it wasn't, she, she wasn't a really good fit for me as a psychologist. I went to the doctors and we, we started the medication. Fortunately, I didn't have any because I was on so much for my thyroid. I'm like, right, what's another set of tablets? And um, regardless of what my mum and dad were saying at the time, I'm like, I don't care. I want to be well because I've got Max. I want to be a good mum to Max. And that is a driving force of everything I yeah. do, right? So, but, but the psychologist wasn't wrong. And then it wasn't right. But anyway, I went back to work. And then about six months later, that was when I needed to take about three months off, right? I, it just, it didn't get any better. So again, switched the medication. And then I found a psychologist, um, I don't know how it was a random thing. I'd search for someone. I'm like, she sounds cool. And she was. And it was a cognitive behavioral psychologist and somebody that helped me see things in different light. So that really worked for me. It doesn't work for everybody. But when you, when, well, for me, when, you, when you're depressed, you assume the world's against you. You're shit at everything. You know, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And everyone sees you that way. Um, and that can be in a work context, a personal life context, sport context. And then she just, she said, okay, well, let's try the evidence-based approach. What evidence do you have that you're not good enough at this? Does your son love you? Yes. Does your husband love you? Yes. Uh, how, what, what do you normally get rated at work? Okay. So, but you have to almost teach yourself. So she was fantastic. I spent about six months um, having sessions with her. Um, and we created mantras that I kind of still use today, right? And this was, this was quite a few years ago now. And um, so, yeah, so I, I learned a lot about myself. Um, and I learned that actually who you are isn't what you do, right? And I remember a Nat West advert coming out at the time saying, we are what we do. And I'm like, that's not true. That's, I was really annoyed by this stupid advert. Anyway, Change the bank straight away. Yeah, well, yeah because... It's, it's not. So now, so interesting enough, I was reflecting on it. When you asked me to write down who I was, what my job title is, I wrote mum, friend, yeah, wife yeah. first, because you've asked me that six years ago and I said, PwC director, mum, friend. And now it's more important to me that I'm Lynn Bailey, you know, all these things yeah, that I mom, am wife, and do. Daughter, friend, sister, yeah. And then I just so happen to have a pretty cool job, but that's not who I am. That's what I do. That's amazing to have that different yeah. 
unthought. So it takes them on forty-five. <laughs> but did you? So when did you? Um, this process started a few few years ago, and that's yeah. where you highlight and discovered that yeah. there was things that we needed to yeah. adapt to and change the, yeah. the process. Did you find it hard adjusting? I did, but I knew I had to do it to. As I said, the driving force for me. It's weird enough. I was was really. I didn't want kids. I was anti kids, and um, even when my husband, it was it was my birthday when I was thirty four. We'd just gone out for dinner. And he's like, should we try and have a family? And I'm like, right, okay, fine, whatever. I, w- I was not that fussed about was, it. Was it. Was that because of how the commitment to work at the time, that maybe you thought that that would disrupt that? Possibly. And also, um, I, was, I was a perfectionist and I didn't feel like I was where I needed to be financially, probably career, you know, body-wise, everything. And for me, it had to, everything had to be perfect before you even start, thought about getting pregnant. But then I'm like, well, then... We you kind just got to start. Just what it, when we did, right? So I thought, well, it'll take ages anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know. <laughs> if it wasn't literally the first time. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, well. But the minute, it's like this weird thing came over me. The minute I felt something in my tummy, that was it. I was, that was like, I'm like, like a new revelation. Yeah, I am going to be the best mum to whoever this is in my stomach. Well, they often say that though, don't they? They say that when you... Mm. Uh, uh, have a child you, your purpose then in life is for that child yeah. as opposed to yeah. you, you don't put yourself first anymore it's you put them absolutely my parents are gobsmacked they're like you're pregnant <laughs> like you in, fa- in fact because we, you were so you had you so strongly against oh, it oh yeah yeah absolutely so we, we found we had our three month scan this is the thing this is how cool we were with it all so we had our three month scan I think it was the February or something and we hadn't told anybody at that point because we're all a bit Everyone around us, I mean, we've, we've known people with fertility struggles and stuff, and I know it's not easy, right? So we wanted to be sure that everything was okay. And even to the point, we, because I was 34, we had, we had to have what's called a nuchal scan to see if Max potentially had Down syndrome. And they're like, before you come for the nuchal scan, discuss what's, you know, have a discussion about what you're going to do. We sat there on the floor going, should we keep him whatever? Yeah, okay, you know, whatever. So that was our discussion. So, but we, we'd had the scan, everything was great, and we phoned everyone. No one was in. So we're sat on this news and no one was there. And then when we told him, they're like, really? Really? Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, we're actually quite excited by the whole <laughs> thing. Oh, did you plan it? I'm like, yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and no one could put it anyway. But then the minute, even my sister's like, you're not very chill, kid friendly. And I'm like, but yeah, I mean, you've seen me with, with Max yeah, yeah, and, yeah, um, and other kids, actually. It's just, um, yeah. It you, did you embrace s- it, though, don't you? Yeah, you, yeah. You, you, yeah. That becomes your new, yeah. one of your new purposes. Like, yeah. You know, we all, we've often spoke about like people's purpose in life. Yeah. And I, as I said, I think when people have children, I, yeah. I, I don't know, but from discussions and conversations I've mm. had with people, that your purpose then becomes for, yeah. your, for your child. It definitely switched something on me there. Yeah. So that, was, so that was then my driving force for, okay, well, I'm not good. I don't care. So I'm quite ha- happy and open to talk about depression and what it's what it means to me. If it will help someone else get some help, because at the end of the day, it's so important to me to be a, a good mum and a good friend and a good wife and a good. Do you think that it came as in you uh, went at the right time? Do you think you could have gone any earlier for that help, or do you oh, think yeah, you nailed probably, it? Yeah, years ago. Yeah, because I said some of the choices, some of the, I mean, some of the things you go to to do and I don't know well things I did to try and fit in and um you know be liked and stuff so um you know and that probably stemmed from what you said at, at school yeah the bullying process yeah, yeah absolutely so it's, it's mad how it affects mm. so much like later on um, yeah there's different times where we were talking again about staff yesterday, the staff yesterday like growing up there's certain ages I can't remember exactly but 
where trauma stick with you a lot more than they do. Yeah. Um, it's insane. It is, and it's it's really bad. In fact, weirdly enough, my my son is just start, Max has just started high school. The, his biggest fear about high school was bullies, and we've never. T- my husband was bullied as well. He's he's black, and he was picked on because he was the only black kid in the school, right? Um, so he was picked on loads and we've never said to Max oh yeah you're going to get bullied at high school we've not really talked about it we've talked about the really positive things about high school that I mean I got to do all sorts I got to you know play in all these things and win awards for music and you know got to go to France all this amazing stuff right but um yeah so we've talked about all the really good stuff not the um the challenging stuff, but he was focused on this bully thing. Yeah, he watches a lot of American TV where there's always a bully, right? Yeah, that's, so, that's kind of the storyline, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So he has asked us, and we're like, well, actually, yes, we we both were bullied, but um, it's also yeah. important for him to 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 know that that um, you know that unfortunately it is a yeah. sad world that we live in, and that stuff does yeah. that does happen. Um, but yeah. it will make him a better individual, knowing um, knowing that it does exist and not. A, oblivious to it yeah exactly and he recognizes it so interesting if he was um he's got a few whatsapp groups and i do keep an eye on it because i mean he's a bit young to be on whatsapp but all his friends are so it's just moving with the times though, isn't it i know it's gonna get it's probably gonna get younger a four-year-old will have it soon i know but um there was there's a there's a girl in his class and she's not particularly nice but um she likes she's just come out that she likes this boy and he likes her and stuff and they were Somebody had got hold of a screen grab of a message between her and this boy, and they're sharing it around. So I said to Max, "That's not really the right thing to do." I said, "That's that's a bit like bullying." He's mm. like, "Okay, mum, all right, I'll stop. I'll make sure that stops then." Yeah. Well, mm. I, I think that's mm. amazing because mm. I think again, sometimes it goes down to ignorance of not seeing, mm. like they don't see those yeah. things, or maybe their yeah. parents weren't bullied themselves and ignorant yeah. to it, and they you know think yeah. that it doesn't exist. But yeah. actually, having recognised it's probably more important for them than than not yeah. than not seeing it. Um, so you did write here with that living in a world of like equality mm. and being uh, happy to say that being a feminist. Mm. Talk to, talk to me a little bit more about about that. Is that is that through um, maybe that you said you know growing up you had all those experiences that uh, with your dad and stuff. Is that stemmed from there? Um, weirdly enough, it was it was my mum. So and it's so she. Um, and it was quite different being a female in the well, it's probably not different enough, right? Being a female growing up in the eighties and nineties as it is now, um, it's just the I, I could see I was almost born where I could see the inequality. So at the time, you watch a, the adverts, and, um, you know, fairy advert. It's the woman washing up, and it's the woman doing the cleaning, and mm. it's the woman doing, and it just bothered me. Like this from from as far as I can remember. I hadn't. Now that you mm. say that, mm. I I, mm. I recognise that. I hadn't yeah. even thought of that before. Yeah, and because and the nice thing was in our house it was pretty equal, right? So, um, you know, I wouldn't. My mum wouldn't call herself a feminist. In fact, she hates feminists. Right? And there are a lot of people say, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, but a feminist is somebody who wants equality. That's that's it, right? It doesn't. It's not somebody who burns a bra and thinks men are evil. I love men, right? <laughs> really love men. Um, but in our house, you know, it was it was either my mum or my dad cooking the Sunday roast and um, my dad did loads of stuff with his you know it was he wasn't one of these absent fathers or, or ones that worked really hard and didn't put their children first we were top of his list right me and my sister um he did the ironing he did you know, it was it was we all grew up in that house so for me to then see something on tv that mm. doesn't reflect you know I, I just think didn't think it was fair so I remember doing work experience when I was 14 we had went to do a week somewhere and I worked at the local council office 
And I walked in in trousers on the first day and they said, you can't work, you can't come to work in trousers. I'm like, why? They said, because women don't wear trousers in this office. I said, well, how is that going to affect what I do? (laughs) Um, So I refused. Um, They were almost to the point that they were going to say I couldn't do my work experience. I'm like, no, 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 I'm wearing trousers. But that's also ignorance uh, from people like... Yeah. uh, One one thing that often I've been off, the guys hear me say, Mm. and like just sometimes why Mm. things are the way they are. Mm. Um, And I don't know where it stemmed from that a woman has to do this and a guy has to do that. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? And um, I was reflecting it again this morning thinking, um, because I'm pretty, well, I'm... I was saying to myself, I'm, I'm okay with, I think I'm pretty liberal-minded, right? But then I'm thinking, well, why should anybody have to justify who they are, what they believe, what they look like? So, you know, it almost doesn't matter that I'm liberal-minded or not. You know, you, you are who you are. Yeah. And, you know. Some, somewhere down the line, someone set a standard that men are supposed to go to work and earn money and, and women are supposed to um, yeah. stay, stay home. And I guess that comes from, I can only imagine that, women uh, were the chosen ones for childbirth. I think that's, I think it's that. It's that you have, ultimately, it's that, it's such a power, isn't it, to be able to yeah, create yeah. life. Yeah. But then if you think about it, we can't do it without each other. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and listen, I'm not saying that it has to be, the dynamic has to be a husband and wife and married and not, that's not what I'm saying, but we need some some chemical element from a from a male and some chemical element from a female to create life. That's not to say that we have to sustain life in that yeah, way yeah. and you have to be that because obviously at the moment there is like in the day-to-day world there is a massive thing of inequality and women and, mm. and, and men and mm. uh, race as well yeah um, and it's how do we how do we fix it it's interesting because I'm the um, I was saying to, to Grant actually uh, I think it was this morning that I'm the um, Black Lives Action Plan champion bit of a mouthful at work um, I chose to do that because um, my husband's black so my son's mixed heritage and when the George Floyd murder happened and the Black Lives Matter movement kind of became you know pretty big um, we were facing some personal challenges of, you know from friends of ours going well, yeah. why, why do Black Lives Matter um, more so than white lives and we're like well that's not what we're saying so it, the same thing came up at work and I'm like well hang on a minute there's almost a, an element of redressing the balance and understanding yes all lives matter but at the minute um, we've we've got a real problem with how we view black people yeah. and and it's still happening so I, uh, I've got to say sorry <laughs> that I um, my niece is uh, her dad is black and yeah. my sister obviously mm. white um, and since she's been in this world, mm. I've had, uh, not to say that I didn't have a, mm. uh, a negative view or anything mm. like that, but I've opened my eyes and tried to listen and hear more yeah. because try to understand because she's going to go through some things I never faced. Exactly. Purely because of the colour of her skin, unfortunately. Yeah. And it, it just kind of, you know, when when the, when the it all started, the, the Black Lives Matter movement uh, became even bigger, I'd say to my husband, so do you cross the road if there's a bunch of white women? He went, yeah. Yeah, I do, because I don't want to intimidate them because I'm black. I'm like... That's, that's, yeah. my, so we'd never even had that conversation. So in, in one way, I mean, he's quite happy that the conversations are there, but now more needs to be done, right? Because it's still... You know, we, we, we don't feel very good about going to the US right now because, I mean, at it's least... chaos. Yeah, well, at least, at least uh, Donald Trump's not in power anymore and he wasn't helping with the whole situation, but... We think twice about it. We think twice about going to South Africa. This is going to sound really bad, but 
um, because of some of the things that we hear about, um, you know, the experiences of black people over there. And it, yeah, it, it does it does limit. I mean, imagine that's nuts. It limits where you yeah. go. I do. This is a strong statement, but I do think mm. there is uh, an element, well, a lot of element of white privilege that exists. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and it still exists to this day. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know why. Um, we are in 2021 yeah. and it's a very like, far, it's a, it's a long way away from where the world was created and, and ha- like there's so many different colours, cultures, yeah. ethnicities and and the, the worrying thing is that, and I, I, I guess in some way mm. linking this to the kind of world situation about Brexit is that there is a white privilege where we want, people say that they want British or white people doing X and doing this, but actually they're, they're, it's impossible to, to have that. In order to... Um, go to the doctors it's going to be uh not always a white person no. in order to go to a uh petrol station it's not always going to be a white person it, it, it's just we can't rely in this world with just white people and why would you want i don't understand but this we go is to a Spain weird thing for spanish holiday we go for holidays we go to turkish or italians for, yeah. for dinner yeah uh we go just yeah Going back to an advert, actually, HSBC did a brilliant one. I mean, they, they do a series of what, and it was, I forgot the, the comedian's name that does it, but the guy with the curly hair and the glasses. And um, he talked about, it's about Britain not being an island. So it was exact, that same point. So we drink coffee from Italy. Yeah. Uh, we eat food from India and we're this island, right? We're not really, you yeah. know, we, we are such a cultural mix anyway. And if you think about, I mean, like, I'm... What is Britain? What is... Well, exactly. Where's it come, where have we come from? Um, yeah. And it's the same all over the world. Yeah, it's fascinating. Mm. I don't think we can ever put our finger in it. And uh, Will it change? Can we make it change? Well, uh, interesting. So we, we're very lucky. Uh, so where I work, we've got... Um, there's a guy, a, a guy called Dr. John Amici, an ex-basketball player, um, now runs a psychology, uh, organisational psychology company. Um, and um, so he's black about six foot seven, gay, and, and a kind of very opinionated speaker on stuff. So he's, he's going to make, you know, so he's obviously had some challenges, but we're really lucky he's now helping us uh, as KPMG as an organisation. And um, he says even in his company that he runs, he knows he probably has some racists that work there. He says, but he says, I'm not trying to change the way people think. I'm telling them that you can't voice, it's just not okay to say what the hell you like. It's not okay to do what you like, right? If you're working for me, and in fact, in life, you might not, you might have this internal reaction to somebody that's black and you think, oh, stereotype, they're going to mug me or they're going to do this. It's like, think that, you do not act on that. You don't, so, so it's like, you can't change the way people think. Mm. And if you can, and if you can, it's only through doing, right? So, you know, if you do the same thing, all the time with the same people, you, you're never going to change, yeah. right? It comes back, bring back to exercise. You've got to change something, and you can't. I don't think you should start with how you think. I think sometimes you have to change with what you do, yeah, yeah. and then. I uh, I won't use exact names, but um, my sister's boyfriend has mm. a very white British name. Um, so when he goes to jobs, people are very surprised to see a black man. Yeah. Um, which sometimes means that unfortunately it doesn't get the full works or or like just treated a little bit different yeah um but i I think it goes a lot of it stems through education as well yeah um i think uh i was taught in school about henry the eighth and hitler and things like that yeah um but i think not 
you know, it's kind of, it's very important. Those things are very important, but they probably should stem from education school. Like it should be taught now through, through, through school. Well, they've said that they're going to, I've forgotten where it is, they're going to have a black history in the curriculum um i've forgotten which school it is and actually it's black history month this month and i posted something on yeah, actually yeah i did yeah. see that yeah. yeah yeah so um it's a great opportunity to kind of educate ourselves and i think having it as part of the curriculum is is important i mean even if it's just on a really personal level for max so when um when he was at junior school they'd have all these oh come dress as your favorite historical figure and he's like but mum all the historical figures we've learned about are white i want to go as a brown historical figure because i'm brown I mean, I was so amazed yeah, by him amazing, saying yeah. that. Um, so we found, you know, Malcolm X and yeah. Muhammad Ali, and he went dressed because he wanted to celebrate the fact he was brown. And it's it's so amazing to hear. So um, yeah, I think it is. And if kids if kids like him notice, right, and and are willing, actually, he's willing to stand up and do something about it. Yeah, it will become yeah. definitely like that younger generation having a bit yeah. of a bigger voice and stuff. And I, I do think it's important because. As I said, like um, even as a even as a male, uh, if we have a comparison to you know we're saying in, with equality and stuff, mm. I, I wouldn't have looked at that until you just said it. That fairy liquid advert mm. as a woman washing, yeah. like it wouldn't have come into my mind. So the fact that if we can put it into schools to educate so that there is a more uh, that there is a more educated reasoning behind. Yeah what people do yeah. and what people say and, and things like that um, and don't take don't make assumptions so even I catch Max sometimes talking about oh you know a, a woman wouldn't do that or doesn't do that I'm like well hang, hang on a minute yeah. <laughs> we can't as, as, a, yeah. as a male we yeah. don't know because we'll never experience yeah. that as a, yeah. as a white person we would never know what someone of colour experiences totally I'm never going to know what it feels like no. you're absolutely right and I think a lot are ignorant to that yeah and just dismiss it completely. Well, well, the most frightening conversation I had around this whole thing was um, a, a colleague um, in uh, where I was working who said, "Well, I don't, I don't, we don't need to do anything about Black Lives Matter. There's, there's no problem." I was, I was absolutely horrified. Yeah. Um, and actually, I said to this individual, "I said, well, um, just because you don't see it doesn't mean to say it's not there." I said, "The second, second thing is." please don't say that to any of our colleagues. Please don't say that to, you know, we're meant to be leaders here yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and setting an example. By all means, think it. Do, it. do some research. Yeah. Educate yourself, but do not say it. Sometimes also having that conversation, I think maybe there there might be... Uh, me and Grant often have very similar conversations yeah. and we talk and um, and sometimes it is worth, you know, having that... Con- like, they're, they're hard conversations mm. to have. But actually, if more people were able to converse about it rather than, yeah. let's say, point fingers and argue, um, it would also not solve the problem, but lead towards that. Exactly. It's awkward as us talking about I'm like, I remember being sat at chairing actually at work, this, this group with, with, our, with a lot of our black heritage colleagues. And I'm like, I said, I'm very aware. I'm a middle-aged white woman trying to talk to you about the issues coming out of, <laughs> you know, the George Floyd murder. And I'm probably going to be horrendous at this, but I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. Um, and they were, they were brilliant. They yeah. were really, really, you know. But if I'd have done that the second time and been as clumsy about it, then bad. I'm, I'm bad, right? Yeah. I need, I need to make sure I'm comfortable. So I've, but the first time I was, it's like, it's like when somebody's passed away and you, you, you know, we're as Brits, what do you say? we, we like, we don't. So I all phone someone and go, I have no idea what to say, and, and but I'm really sorry. 
Um, and the effort, the thought of you doing that is better than just thought of, oh, it's really awkward, so I'm going to ignore it yeah, and just yeah, not yeah. say anything to somebody. Yeah. You, you have to give it a go. Yeah, at least try, like effort yeah. goes a long way. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think people yeah. do appreciate mm -hmm. that. Um, so, um, with fitness, um, it's the last few years have kind of mm. been really, uh, you've been really involved in fitness. Yeah. Uh, it's helped you through the hard times of, and continues of, to right yeah, it's, continues to. yeah. Um, what would you because uh, you wrote it, it, how it's been a revelation to you mm. um, and career wise um, to talk about that a little bit more and how it's helped you with your day to day and job wise and career so I think um, fitness definitely so, so what it does for me is it's it's my it's particularly CrossFit, right? I, I can't imagine myself ever not being hooked on it. It's my thing now, right? It's it's part of who I am. So, and it's it's really cool to think. I mean, I had a particularly stressful day at work yesterday, um, and it's okay to come here and um, do something that I enjoy that challenges me in a completely different way. So, I'm mentally challenged. I'm not saying I'm not mentally challenged here, by the way, because <laughs> some of the coordination you need to have, which I haven't got yet. Yeah. Um, but you're meant to, to have something else to go right. Okay. And, and um, actually, I do some of my best thinking when I'm involved in this kind of sport or exercise, right? Because I'll, I'll, something will click that I've been you know, thinking about at work whilst I'm here. So I can then go back and go, right, because I was working on it. It's almost like you free this part of the brain. Of, I was working on this problem of how to get on a bloody box, right? That, that it frees that bit up to think about this problem that you're dealing with at work. So for me, it's, it's absolutely crucial. I talk about it at work all the time. Um, everybody knows I come here. And how frequently I come here, um, and how much of a benefit it's been. We've to got me. to get we've got to get a, a contract in with KVMG. <laughs> Absolutely, but but what I did, particularly during lockdown, because uh, I was ex I was exercised by mostly on my bike because we couldn't really do much. Um, I was actively encouraging my teams to go and get out of the house, do yeah. something, um, and continue to do so. Right, so I'm like, look, you don't have to be a sporty person, but move. Right. So again, I think yeah. that's where people like just are so fixated and maybe it's what the industry teaches them it's like there doesn't ha you can just move and have fun yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be yeah. uh so regimental with like yeah. three sets of 10 you've got to do this for time yeah just get out yeah. just run walk cycle exactly walk backwards set yourself a challenge of walking up a mountain whatever yeah. it is just go and do it totally mm. yeah so um I think one of the one of the nice things about I guess getting older or being more comfortable with myself, I think, is just that bring your whole self to work thing. So people know that they know that I've got a job title, but they know they know more about me, right, and and who I am, what I like to do, and you know, as I said, encouraging people to find their thing because work will come and go. Work, you know, you're going to stop at some point, right? It's really important to me that I have something also to talk about myself, you know, about, right? So I don't introduce myself as a chief data officer at KPMG. I say, oh, I'm Lynn, I, I'm this kind of person, I do that and whatever. But this is where sometimes where I think society's broken. We're all taught that work is everything. Oh, absolutely. And it stems part of the problems that we were talking about before. Yeah. Work is, we're taught from school. And men in particular, this is where, I mean, I'm not saying men have it easy at all. That's not what, that's not what they, I'm saying, but men in particular... It's about job title, size of earning, 
the car, the everything. I mean, you have different challenges to, to women, right? Massively different challenges. Whereas, um, and I know, I remember reading this open letter, I think it was in The Guardian or something, Sam really posh reading The Guardian, but it came up on a Twitter feed or something. But, That's um, the only time I read The Guardian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but it was a really good article, and it was this open letter, anonymous, about this man, I think, in his mid to late 30s, and it was to his wife, and he would never say this to her, but... Um, Apparently they'd met at university and she'd got the same law degree that he'd got, but they got to, they decided to get married. She decided then not to work. So she made that decision for him. And he was saying, look, I'm now about to have a nervous breakdown. I feel a, re- a lot of pressure to kind of bring the money into the house because we, we live a certain lifestyle and we've got kids, but, and you're not contributing to, I mean, I'm not saying you're not doing a lot being a mum, but the kids are grown up now or grown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could help with this. Um, and um, I, th- I think there'll be quite a few people in that position. I mean, at, our ha- at home, it's quite, well, it's equal, right? So there's it's no, a set no culture, one of though, isn't it? It's yeah, a historic oh, yeah, yeah. set culture. You provide. Yeah. And that's a lot of pressure. Mm. Um, so yeah. we've taken that out of the equation. We just were 50 50 on everything, right? And I earn same. But I, I, yeah. like, like, I, 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 why wouldn't you want to do that? Like, why wouldn't you want to be 50 Like, in terms of like being mm. able to support that mm. fact? Because like, you then create a bigger support system, right? If you're. Um, exactly if you're if there is and it obviously works for some people it doesn't Mm. work for others but you know uh money does make the world go round and although that's not the uh um be all and end all things but at that time Mm. where uh money might be reduced is where you need to work together a a lot more and that's the thing Um, and and i don't think people should make uh, i I find that unfair for men that that some i'm not saying all of them some women make the assumption right that's it i'm having the kids and I'm, i'm not going to work i think you need to be, think very carefully about that and have that conversation because that puts an awful amount of pressure as you said on on, on the the kind of breadwinner right? but also for the female i think it takes you out of that social element you have you've got yeah. a, definitely a body composition change the interaction with people is not mm. there um you're not going to have people around you mm. all the time like there are there are let's say cons to, to and pros and cons obviously to both sides yeah definitely um, but as I said, for some people, it absolutely works. Yeah. And for some people, oh, no, absolutely, it does. Um, yeah, but it was just, I, I still, I'm still kind of, I still think about that article because I wonder how many other men are feeling like that, that, you know, there's been this assumption made that the wife is going to stay at home by, by the wife quite often and then they're dealing with How many men do you think pressure. don't have children because in, the, in, that, in that start type of rate? Do you think there's a lot of men that do that? I don't know, actually. I know that, I know, I mean, I've heard people say that... Um, it's, it's the, that that level of commitment, that thought of that commitment, it's, it's quite scary. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't have. I wouldn't. I never. I wouldn't be able to say that. I mean, yeah, I can get into the head of a, of a man. How men think. I, I like um, it because it, it gets yeah. me to think and yeah. open up like yeah. different things yeah. that I've not really often spoken yeah. about or stuff. Mm. But it is very interesting. Mm. Um, will we ever get a uh, a racial free equality world? Not in our lifetime. I don't think so in our lifetime. I would, I would love that. And I think, I think what you said earlier is something, it must be something about the power somewhere. There's some, because you only ever try and bring somebody down when you're, you're f- almost frightened of them or scared of the power of it. So there must be, there must, people who aren't white males must um, hold some kind of power somewhere that, that you know, like, like the, 
women are better give birth and stuff and men there's can't. a lot of conspiracy theories on the top of my mind yeah. um with regards to that but a lot yeah, of, yeah a lot of of, of powerful mm. people mm. are in a position or in powerful positions mm. tend to be of white of white background yeah complete white exactly so i think that I think that might be what it is. And it that's all, just generation and stemmed and yeah. then just kept going and kept going, which hasn't let an opportunity for yeah. someone of colour, of any yeah. colour, to improve yeah. the service or the offering, mm. the whatever it might be. Um, I think people are petrified of change, right, and seeing things. Mm. But once you get them over that, I mean, that that's true of anything, right? You, you know, I think it's change is hard. Yeah. Why? If they understand yeah. why the benefits yeah. and everything else. It tends to. It's, it's like fitness, right? If yeah. you understand the why of, your, of yeah. what you're doing, you're more likely to succeed at doing Definitely. it. If you don't, you're more likely to start, stop, start, stop, and never go back again. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. Maybe. Each, yeah. Um, what uh, What are your plans? What are the goals now for the next? Uh, for, let's say. Let's go with. Have you got any personal goals at, before fitness? Have you got any personal goals that now you're setting your eyes on over the next couple of months? Um, I don't think I do actually. I, I said I've, I've survived this long without really having a, a focus. <laughs> no, um, there's, there's some CrossFit specific ones, so um, I will get a pull up at some point. I will tackle box jumps, um, you know, without having a nervous breakdown every time. Um, I just I love those kind of challenges because they're, they're things I can. And actually, one of the lo- lovely things about here is I can really see the progress. So. Mm. I got on the assault bike last night and did 10 calories in you oh, know, nice. way, way under a minute, right? Nice. So I need Which is very hard for, for a lot of people. I it's need hard. a puke yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> and I did it four times in a row. In the, so it's things like that where I'm seeing myself improve. improve. Um, yeah, I, just, I, I don't just do things to kind of coast along. I do like to see myself getting better at things. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not... I mean, my husband, funny, he's, 40, he's 51, so he's like, right, in his mind, he's going to retire when he's 60, so I've got nine years to figure out if that's what I want to <laughs> do as well. Um, but yeah, so no, we're, we're drifting, but really happily drifting Good. in a nice in a nice place. Good. Mm. And one thing we haven't spoke about is you are three weeks in, two and a bit weeks, three weeks into our nutrition challenge. Yeah. Um, Talk, it's very easy for me to say, but mm. talk about some of the things uh, that you have found that really work for you for the nutrition Yeah, and what's involved. So heavily, I was heavily skeptical because when you start that calculation and it says, right, depending on your weight, this is how much you can eat. Me and Lindsay, because we did it with Lindsay, I was like, there's no way we can eat 2,600 calories or whatever it was. And weirdly enough, you can. You can. Um, so that was a bit of a massive myth bust because it t- it's totally anti all the advice you've ever had about counting calories and all that kind of stuff. It's not really like that. Um, so we were a bit, but it busts those myths within the first few days. Um, what it's taught me is just eating for for what you're preparing your body to do. So it's almost treating your body like a bit of a cool machine, which is which is really nice, and you and you're treating it well. So you're putting the right fuel in or at the right time. Um, the the actual thought of starting it was way harder than the starting it. Really? Yeah. So the, the weekend before, I think we ke- we spoke to you quite a bit yeah, yeah. about what we're going to eat and what we're going to do, and and then on the Monday you just get up and do it. Is that because do you think that that's because of the misconceptions with regards to diet? Let's say because I I, I want to keep saying this yeah. that our nutrition challenge that we offer is yeah. not a diet. No, it's not. Um, but people look at nutrition all the time as diets. Yeah. It's like no, it doesn't have to be. No, I think it was more you do have to use your brain a bit more to think yeah. about what you're going to eat. And I mean, I, I did, I did things myself. It's, it's harder to hit my protein 
with being thought. a vegetarian. Yeah. However, I'm doing it right. So, in fact, I was chatting to um, one of the other CrossFit women the other day, saying I've managed to do it as a vegetarian, hitting the protein, and they're like, really? So, so protein is my new protein shakes, my new best friend, or protein powder is my new best friend. I've got it in four different flavors, um, including a flavor-free one because you can actually make put it in soup. That, yeah. that worked. Um, so it was the thought of starting and the thought of not being able to do it, but you kind of get, you know, I've got five or six meals now and I know, I know which one I'm meant to eat here and if I fancy corn sausages versus corn burgers, I'll do that. So it's actually, I mean, a routine. Um, the not drinking's been, because uh, we chose to do that, so I know you, you don't say you have to do that, but we chose to do it. Um, and then, which I think gives you the best chance of success for yeah. those 30 days, really, because yeah. uh, you're allowing more chance of success for that definitely because you're right i mean as soon as it's weird what i have i'm much more self-aware about what i'm eating and why i'm eating so i went to the cinema i think the first week in and i just i did my meal as a box of nibbles right because i recognize that emotionally i go to the cinema and i want to nibble so i had uh, carrot and hummus i had blocks of cheese i had a little bit of popcorn that i'd measured out and and because I was nibbling like everyone else was... It was normal. It was cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do the same thing tonight. We're going to watch the James Bond movie. Oh, wow. And, but I don't need to eat, but I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to have it as my meal. Yeah, yeah. we're... we're, we're yeah. I, I don't know where. Uh, we're, but we're just trained to overindulge. Yeah. We're trained to uh, chase something that, mm. that, that isn't there. But actually, if you start to break things down mm. of like what you need to do and where, mm. well, how you need to get there, it becomes very, very easy. Yeah. But again, it's understanding the why, like through the process, yeah. especially in the information pack and stuff, we try to explain yeah. as much as we can why you're doing it. And, and that's probably why I think you've had so much success with it because yeah. the, um, the understanding of why has been greater. And when I'm not stopping. I'm, I, so we will go out and have a drink next Wednesday. Um, and, and that you should, and as yeah. I said, you should absolutely yeah. do it because it's a, although I didn't say from the beginning that you should completely remove yeah. it, but because you've taken it out, you're now wanting to implement things like that, that you would do every, not every day, sorry, but you would yeah. do on a social element too. Yeah. Because you don't want to, life's too short to be saying no. Absolutely. But I want to, but the, I feel much better. I mean, the, getting on the scales and seeing it you know it's a, it's a nice side effect right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> six pounds down after a couple of weeks is, i was you know amazed by that and i feel better um i you know i know for example and it's it's pretty flexible so i know if i eat carbs at lunchtime so i have to you know i have to i have to not do that because i'll fall asleep um but that's really cool i know that i can adjust something and i will feel the physical yeah, benefits yeah. Yeah, it's just like you know your body. Yeah, it? yeah. You just know it's weird just how much yeah. I know my body. And once now. you get it, it clicks and sticks. Absolutely. So there's been a couple of I mean, I'm going into London a bit more. Some days it's harder to, you know, prep by you know, by the time you've got home and sort got yourself sorted out. But I know I can I know I can grab on the move now as well. Yeah. That will, that will do it. So my breakfast is non-negotiable. That's a that's a balanced smoothie and everything. It's got everything in it. Um, and then lunch, I can be a little bit creative. But, you know, and then I can always use a protein shake to kind of get the protein element yeah. up, which is, yeah. And a lot of it's just preparation. Like, as you said, going into London now, you know exactly what you need for that meal that yeah. you're, you know, in your head that you would, let's say, for example, if you're at home, you yeah. have X, Y, and Z. But you know that if you're out, you need, you're grabbing the equivalent too. Yeah, um, exactly. And just making it work for you. Yeah, definitely. Liam, we've run out of time. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, and guys and girls, join us next week. <laughs>